Why, hello, and welcome to season 28, episode 15 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. I'm Chris. In, In this pod. episode, Sean from outside Washington, D.C., sends us an email on railroading and PC versus PC violence. It's very specific. From just outside Washington, D.C. Just outside Washington, D.C. <laughs> he cannot disclose exactly where it is. Right. Yes. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We always need emails. And if you'd like to watch the show live, you can go to uh, happyjacks.org slash live. And we're on on Saturdays at 10 a.m.-ish Pacific time. Uh, Happyjacks.org slash live. And there we go. We might be switching back to Fridays at some point, though, right? At, I don't know. At some point, maybe. I don't know. There's a calendar under the whole <coughs> schedule thing. Just check it, because that's how I know when we're on. Happy Jack's <laughs> slash schedule. Yep. Can and I say, uh, I, I, I usually listen to the podcast at like 1.75 speed. Do you really? Yeah. How? Well, that can get through more podcasts like that. Oh, okay. But <clears throat> we don't talk slow enough to No, it's, it's fine. Really? The cadence is fine. But that intro that you just played that I listened to was way too slow. Like listening to that at normal speed. Which intro? The the music. Really? Yeah, it's way too slow now. I can handle the conversation being slower, but that. that we need that to make an EDM off. version of this. Then we'll just drop that. It'll be twice as one point seven f- much faster. One point seven points yeah. faster in the. I'll, I'll, I'll do it fast song at like 160 BPM and be like <laughs> it becomes a meditation app at that point right white noise yeah the bass the, the, each bass drop is going to sound more like a click and it will put together and make its own frequency when you speed it up this, this it, that's how we find time travel that's sound, exactly sound engineer humor <laughs> <laughs> and with the frequencies all stack on each other it'll cause it oh it's going to be so funny okay so uh we're gonna, um, we'll start with our uh, the, the, our initiative roll. I'm going to have to make a jingle for this. I don't have one yet. I have the baby cry. Everyone loves the baby cry. Yeah, that went off like gangbusters. <laughs> that was the most popular fact, season on record. I don't think I even have it on here anymore. I think I got rid of it because so many people complained about it. Well, it's initiative roll, so we just need dice, right? Oh, there you go. Perfect. You go. <clears throat> All right. Somewhere you're... you're you're in the, the, the giant gaming complex someplace where the, the, someone has built a giant gaming commune where everyone comes together in games and you're in an elevator going down and someone is about, is about to GM for the very first time. And they're very nervous and they ask you for advice in the time it takes you to get from the 12th floor of the giant gaming commune down to the sub-sub-basement where they allow people to play role-playing games. Run. Don't walk. Run away. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is your advice? Uh, I think the biggest advice I would give somebody like that is to just calm down, relax. This is a conversation with friends, telling a story together. It doesn't anything that you do bad, they're still going to love. Just enjoy yourself. Don't worry about the rules. Just jump in. I I agree with that. I agree with that. But that's easier said than done. I mean, what do you? What what would you do to calm down? Because I find it can be kind of stressful. There's sort of a there's an expectation uh, of you as a GM, and it, whether it's self-imposed or not, how do you how do you get 
How do you get that out of your head? Yeah, it never works when someone <laughs> says, calm down. <laughs> nope. It doesn't. Jesus. In fact, sometimes it gets you hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Will you just stay calm, please? Would you calm down? <laughs> as I find myself as being my own worst enemy, I ended up uh, stressing myself out and inventing the situations and scenarios, and then you're, you spin yourself out. I mean, it's it's easy to say calm down, but it's how do you how do you how do you as a GM sit down with a group full of strangers and be calm? What is it you do? Well, one thing I would suggest, I guess there's lots of things you can do. Chamomile might help. Listening to Happy Jacks at <laughs> 0.7 speed faster. I think, uh, yeah. Uh, M- microdoses of THC. Right. Very tiny amounts. Very though. small. Because you, you still need to be able to follow. Right, yeah, because then you could just go off a whole different direction. Yeah. <laughs> but do the, okay, what are the three moments in the game that you can visualize in your head, the three things you want to see happen? Write those down. Steer to that. And whenever you wonder what's going to happen, go back to your three points. That is the best advice. That's a I've good ever idea. Heard. That's a very good idea. <laughs> That's I'm calm just thinking about it. <laughs> right? So no, I'm not. I'm seriously, because it gives you a roadmap and it gives you something to cling on to, and it's not overly world building, which is what I do. Is I write way too much to make myself calm. So I always, and then I have so many notes I can't find where I'm going. That is is one of the problems with over preparation. Absolutely, mm-hmm. is that you you end up having an answer for everything, and then you have to go and find that. Yeah, answer. you're like, well, okay, wait, that was a guy named. Yeah, right, and, right. That's you notice when, when we have APs that I'm running, that tends to happen occasionally. <laughs> it's but, like, but we no, I no, I came up with this guy. I know I have a name for him. <laughs> but what we've always said is like, do all that world building, and then you kind of throw it away because you need it. In your head to figure out your world, so that you can you can justify and, and you can operate within it and set up your situations with a with a sense of a purpose. But when you then but then you have it all memorized, and you should be able to just like not bring it with you, and you're able to, to riff off of it. Well, I mean, if you and do by it, having three three bullet points <coughs> or three scenes that you want to get to, you've condensed all that world building down into here's what I want to accomplish for this for right. this particular scenario today. And that, I mean that that's. In a in a way, it's not three. <clears throat> that's how I that's how I approach most convention games. <clears throat> is I'm like, okay, here's the here's like what I'm thinking the end scene might be like. Here's what I'm thinking, you know, the opening scene might be like, and then and then here's a couple of options that could happen, right? And then I just kind of, sort of kind of detail those things out, knowing full well I may end up throwing them all away. And I think, but but having it at least gives you that. Direction to steer toward, mm-hmm. like you said, steer towards, not steer towards. Not go back into, you know, like when you feel stuck, right? Go back, in. or yeah, because uh, the players, you know, the players decide to go off the script somewhere, and then you're like, okay, yeah, I've got this is is part of my agenda. How can I? Here's here's something I can I can aim towards, right? You know, as opposed to like I'm just making <clears> shit <throat> up. And now I got to take copious notes to figure out what happened. There's this really great book by Mike Shea. Actually, he had two. Um, one was. Uh, the, the Lazy Dungeon Master mm-hmm. and the other one was The Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master mm-hmm. and The Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master is a really great um, system, protocol that I've actually put into my games uh, and kind of reskinned for for my games and uh, I, I call it Introducing Ten Truths <coughs> he, he called it something else I forget, but there's like ten things that you come up with that may or may not be true Schrodinger's Truths Okay. Um, for the session, and if if they're true, you pull it off the list. If it makes sense, you use it. If not, you chuck the whole list on the next session. You come up with ten more, and that way you sort of have a meta idea of what might be going on, but you're not over planning, and you have an arsenal to work with. 
to g- give me an example of like what uh, some of those truths might be. So, um, uh, well, let's just say we're in a masks game. We just finished up a mask game with my home group, and uh, the supervillain is actually under control of another supervillain. Okay, that may or may not be true. Okay, um, the the the. the um, uh, the father of this superhero knows that they are a superhero, and that was supposed to be secret, right? And you sort of kind of ha- jot down ten things that might or may not be true, and then you come out with like three locations or set pieces, so that you don't have to think about that in the moment. So, like, I know that this big superhero fight is going to happen in a quad with all of these corporate buildings, and uh, that's a set piece. And so I can have like buildings collapsing, and I can have all kinds of things happen, and uh, or 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 maybe I'm at, I'm on the, on top of a uh, of a bridge, you mm-hmm. know, some suspension bridge or something, and that's my set piece. And so come up with like three set pieces, ten Schrodinger's truths, and that's probably probably all the prep you need. Maybe some NPC names. Right. Oh, I always have a list of NPC names. That's I mean, just go to what is it? Random. Yeah, fantasy name generator. Fantasy name generator. That's it. Well, there's also just because almost every conceivable name generator that exists. It's just this is afternoon entertainment. Just going through and like, oh, yeah. I need a random storm yeah. or a random hillbilly name. <laughs> there you go. I love those. Buford. That's where I got the name for my hillbilly character from Kimmy's when she ran uh, the one shot of demigods. So I played the guy that was a. Scion of the uh, war god. I don't know. So if I, I, did I, had, I play in that game. I don't. I don't, think I I don't know if you game. played in that game. It was a one shot. It might have one or two. I think it was one. And I played this guy. I don't remember what his name was, but he was a he was a pig farmer somewhere in the south, and he was the scion of the war god. So he had a war pig. His name was Buford. He would call him. <laughs> see, wee, see, see, see. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and his, you know, sort of uniform was a dirty T-shirt, had big poop on it. And stuff like that. It was a big farm. Was he related to Windy Draw? Nah, not really. He was more. He was more of a. He had. He was more. It wasn't like Cajun anywhere near that. He was more of like a probably Georgia. More like Cooter from. Uh, from yeah. Um, well, he was. A, <laughs> that's an actual character name from Dukes of Hazard. I remember. I of remember the Cooter. many questionable things about Dukes of Hazard, that's probably <laughs> the least. <laughs> the fact that he was named Cooter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, I, I wonder if that Cooter was yeah, used was. in that in that yeah, way. Well, then I'm not well, sure. I, don't know. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right. I remember as a kid snickering at it. Okay, I read last time. Does someone else want to read the email this time? Well, it's it's a little longish, isn't it? A little long in the tooth. So maybe we can divide it up. Does someone want to start it, or should I start it? Uh, I'll start it, sure. Dear Happy Jackers, and hello to the Happy Jacks Nation. In this email, I bring you a horror story and ask how you'd handle the situation as well as the table environment that may have helped enable the situation. Every two weeks, two weeks, I run a cyberpunk-style game using the interface 03.0 setting for Savage Worlds. The players are all adults and relatively new to tabletop RPGs, but we've been friends for years. Due to COVID and geographic distances, we meet up through Zoom and usually spend some time hanging out and chatting before starting the four-hour game session. I don't usually drink alcohol when I'm gaming, perhaps one beer if anything, but I don't have any preferences or table rules for others and alcohol consumption during the game. We're all generally responsible adults, but more on this later. This is a Chekhov's gun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's foreshadowing right there. (laughs) Currently... Everyone is a member of a low-life street gang caught in the usual machinations of larger gangs, megacorps, and geopolitics. In a previous game session, one of the players, we'll call him player one, 
and his character, PC1, opted to kill his gang boss, NPC, for no particular <coughs> reason, just to textbook murder hobo moment. This surprised the rest of us, which led to an interesting PC standoff scene. But eventually, everyone put their guns away, so we made that scene part of the game story and moved onward. Then, in a later game session, PC1 was wounded by a flying drone device that latched on and injected him with mind-controlling nanites. Affecting the PC like this was short-term and helped provide a clue to the larger game plot. In roleplay terms, it was more of a suggestion nudge and not a complete GM control, as I did not want to derive the player d- derive player agency. Yeah, deny. I think I think is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. deny player agency. <coughs> I confirmed that PC one was fine with this by uh, using Zoom's direct message. And PC one then nudged under the control, the remote controlled nanite influence killed the NPC. The group had captured for information. Unsure why this happened. The group decided to completely immobilize PC-1, tying him to a chair. The group removed the device attached to PC-1, saw his wounds, and had gained clues to the presence of the nanites, as well as try to cure PC-1 of the affliction. This effort was led by a street doctor character we'll call PC-2, played by Player 2. In another surprising twist, PC-2 street doctor, (coughs) out of nowhere, attempted to kill immobilized PC-1. Wow. Ouch. Player 2's rationale was that PC-1 was an untrustworthy murderer and a danger to the group. Player 2 might not have been entirely wrong, since Player 1's character was not under was not under any outside influence when PC-1 went murder-hobo and killed the gang boss. Oh, see, it's tying in that with the new thing uh-huh. together, and now someone's seeing a trend. Yeah, however, this was a street doctor and saw what happened. However, this sort of execution didn't follow PC2's medical persona and the execution ran counter to the new information about the nanites. In my games, (coughs) I might not like it if a PC wants to kill the NPC, but I go with it and we'll play out the scene with everyone involved. If it happens, the story adjusts accordingly. However, when PCs try to kill each other, I intervene a bit to ensure the course of action is intended as stated. Whether it's an NPC or PC that might be killed, I say things like are you sure you want to do that? Yet, With a PC killing another PC, I also ask more about motivation and reason and decision checkpoints. I also ensure that PCs have a chance to participate in the meta-discussion and acting game if those actions would viably happen in the scene. I generally try to avoid PC killing PC game situations, which might cause any out-of-hand game hurt feelings and other negativity between players. Do you, you, you want to read or do you want me to continue on? Yeah, I can pick up reading. I have have thoughts on this already, uh, but... In general, this is rough. Yes. The conversation then devolved quickly with Player 2 accusing me of railroading him, taking away his options. He said it wasn't fair that Player 1 should be able to execute their NPC gang boss with no real pushback. Then I get in Player 2's way when he wants to do the same thing to Player 1. Really, they're apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I allowed a combat initiative, which gave the other players in the scene a chance to physically respond and roleplay the situation. Mm -hmm. Everyone ended up living. Player 2 did some shouting and plenty of accusation, but eventually quieted down and the scene moved forward. Player 2 spent so much of the rest of the evening sitting spent much of the rest of the evening sitting at his computer chair aimlessly waving a katana around <laughs> and sipping on various alcoholic drinks. I'm not going to judge, but and I'm judging. Is it like a weapon grade katana? Yeah. I later learned that Player 2 had switched from wine at the beginning of the game to bourbon at some point. Those have very different levels of alcohol in them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, And (laughs) I'm not sure how much of either 
He consumed over a four-hour game session, but there were plenty of refills, refills Ooh. of bourbon. <laughs> refills of bourbon. One's enough for me for yeah. like the entire night. Yeah, it's yeah. right. I, our group thinks that much of the rant about railroading was alcohol-driven. Alcohol does tend to do that. I think this reason to be upset has merit. So this <coughs> horror story leads me to three questions for the Happy Jacks crew. What are your thoughts about PCs killing other PCs and when, if at all, you should intervene? With your responses, assume the type of gameplay style is not meant to be player versus player and that it was not specifically addressed during a session zero. Do we want to start there or should I read them all? Read them all first and then we'll go back one more. Okay. How would you handle an upset player that considers GM intervention of killing another PC as railroading? And do you treat drinking during gameplay differently with virtual gameplay where it is more difficult for players to observe each other's drinking? And how do you handle obnoxiously drunk players mid-game virtually or in person? I'm feeling attacked. <laughs> four, what do you do about Stork? <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> all you have done and continue to do for our community. Keep on being awesome. Cheers, Sean from just outside of Washington, D.C., exact location undisclosed. Are you Jedi? Are hyphen you hyphen Jedi, Jedi on Discord? Oh, no, it's just are you Jedi? Uh, okay, so thoughts on, on PCs killing other PCs, and when, if at all, would you intervene? Uh, with your responses, assume the type of gameplay style is not meant to be player versus player, and it was not specifically addressed in Session Zero. Also, this is, they are long-term <coughs> friends, which I think also feeds into the situation. Right. If this was just like a table of people I didn't know, I would be like, out, you know. But there's some other delicacies here. So delicacies? De- that's not the right word. It's okay. We know what you meant. Yeah. That's like something. It's been a long time since we've all interacted like, like person like to people. person. Yeah. It's throwing us. Our, our language is gone. Intricacies. Intricacies. Thank you. Machinations. Nuances. Nuances. There you go. See, I, I, the, and, and, and I can see when you go into, at, with a session zero, not like when we do the vampire game, I kind of let everyone know just because you're playing vampire there's always the possibility that the players are going to come into cross conflict with each other and you are all monsters and that game is set up for players to not like players from from day one oh, the, guild, because, the, because the, the whole the whole clan the clan system and everything yes yeah. absolutely so and and i've had pcs kill other pcs in games in the past more than once so to me, it's something I would mention in in a session zero. I mean, I would I would at least bring it up as as a thing. Is this something we want in the game or not? If, if we don't want it, let's make sure that the PCs have some sort of relationships pre pre session one, where they wouldn't even consider doing something like that. No, this is you know this is my friend. I wouldn't do that to him, or you know, or relative or whatever the thing is. But um, assuming we didn't have that kind of conversation, I would stop the game immediately and have that conversation right there and then. Yeah. Break everyone, break character. We're out of the game. We need to talk about how the scene is going to play out and how everyone's going to react to it as people. Because that's the biggest problem. If if everyone's cool with it and everyone's like deeply involved in the role playing, and one of the players says, "Oh no, we're at loggerheads, and we would we would probably come to blows over this," and we're both willing to accept the what the dice say, I'd let it go. Otherwise, otherwise, it's gonna it's gonna be the, the it, it's only to take the veto of one person saying, "I'm not cool with this." 
to, to say no. I 100% agree. I think if, if it wasn't a cyberpunk game, um, I would even take it a step further, uh, which is to say um, I, am, I am Xing player versus player killing. I mean, you can have conflict, but you, you can't kill each other. So play this out how you need to, but no one's dying. Right. I would just exit. Um, if, if, it, if it made sense. Now, since it's a cyberpunk game, I mean, I can see a scenario in which that would happen. So now it's really about the other player, the, the attacked player's agency. Mm-hmm. This isn't about the attacking player's agency. So I would uh, come forward and say, all right, we have a situation, let's pull it out. Um, hadn't anticipated player versus player combat. Uh, player being attacked, are you okay with this? Is this something that you want to participate in? If yes, what about the rest of you? And then, and then, yeah, it has to be a meta conversation. Otherwise, it's gonna, it's gonna turn into this, right? <clears throat> I mean, it, it, this back when I was in college, before there was any, you know, thought of anything like this, we let it play out. Yeah, that's how old me would have done it. Yeah, and 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 you know, in the end, the 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 player whose character was murdered by two other characters, because it was two of them. Um, after, in the he was a little miffed while it was happening, but after it happened. We had a conversation after the game, and they're like, look, your character was paranoid, your character was delusional. Like, these are actual disadvantages he took as creating the character. <clears throat> you were seeing delusions everywhere, and you were, had already started assuming that we were part of some conspiracy to try to kill you. So, which, you know, that was one of those situations where a character was made that was going to be untenable in a non-PC versus PC They'd already situation. set up a bunch of, of road marks that would have led to that character being yeah, a, I think so. a liability anyway. Right. I mean, it was only going to be a matter of time before something came to head where it would be dangerous. Right. And this was a, clearly he had built a character that was unstable. And, and he also built a character who was a mage who was an extremely dangerous mage. This was in GURPS. And he could have, you know, it, with preparation and with enough distance probably could have taken out a couple members of the party before they could have done anything to him. I feel like that's maybe a little bit different. Because I'm thinking back now on when I was a kid playing, and it got personal. One of the guys was doing something in character that none of the rest of us liked. I think he was trying to like torture an NPC for info. I don't remember the full thing, but we ended up taking the kid, the player character out because the guy was being a douche. Right. And he took it personally, and he went away. Teenage boys. (laughs) Teenage boys. And it, it, what happens is it bleeds. It gets personal. Yeah, Are you really oh, yeah. killing the player character because of the player character? Or are you killing the player character because of the player? Right. And I think that that's where it gets foggy. And, and even if you all agree that, okay, we can do player versus player, it tends to get personal. You still feel a sting like... Oh, I, oh sure, yeah. And it, it's really hard to keep that bleed into real life. You guys all ganged up and killed me. Yeah, How, you, don't, you you can't. It, it takes a really good person and a sober person to to, to keep those <laughs> to keep those feelings apart. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, this isn't about guard railing one player. This is about uh, protecting the experience for the entire table. Right. So that's if, if that requires guard railing somebody, that's what it requires. Yeah. Um, and so we can't use that as a defense. Like, oh, you're not letting me have agency. Well, your actions are not letting them have agency. So, you right. know, we have to have an adult conversation. And this is something I would interrupt the game for. Yeah, I think so. Sometimes this happens because somebody's feeling like they're not having enough spotlight time. Mm. That's Some, sometimes there's players yeah. that act out and do something stupid to seize control and have the spotlight for a little bit. Right. 
And sometimes it sometimes it's just, just as simple as like uh, I'm going to punch the guard in the face. Everybody else is shopping. What? 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 Well, I've been sitting here for 20 minutes. I'm I bored. Done anything? I'm bored. Right. So, I'm punch it up. so that shit happens. It does. It and, does. And now all of a sudden, as a, as a GM, you're like you, you, you punch the. Oh, okay. And, uh, and 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 that may be a GM failure because you you, you want to make sure the spotlight gets shared. And certain personalities too, they need to be in that spotlight all the time. And sometimes they have little machinations that they're, you know, that they don't necessarily right. share with the rest of the party. And you, and they look at the GM and go, "All right, I'm going to do the thing." And you're like, "Okay." And the players, the players, are like, "What? There's a secret between you guys? Fuck you guys! <laughs> fuck you! No, we're going to fucking fuck, fuck that guy. What are you keeping secrets from us for?" And now all of yeah. a sudden it gets. Again, it bleeds a little. It's a, right. it's a little bit of personal stuff going on. But you also here's their bored player character that just wants to jumpstart something, and so he does something murder hoboey, and it leads to player versus player conflict, and it can lead to death. Right. I mean, I mean th- there's a. I mean, yes. the outcomes of the. Com- but I think we all kind of agree. Like, if you hadn't discussed, com- you know, in in party combat in session zero, when it comes up, you need to have that session zero. Conversation yes. then and there. Yes. I think we all kind of agree on that. And some games are better at this than others. But if it's a if it's a game with hit points and you know, well, there's like a mechanical <laughs> death, right? right. Oh, for yeah, sure. Then, then right, you've got to handle for it. sure. And also, yeah, yeah. That that said, the game systems will absolutely sort of determine player versus player lethality and even likelihood. But even even if it's not to death, that might even be worse. Yeah, because mm-hmm. then it's like I'm going to beat him down until he stops. Saying he's going to w- want to do the thing that I don't want him to do, right. and you succeed in doing that, but leave the character alive. Yeah, yeah now you have that. <laughs> now, now you've just put a whole bunch of baggage on it. Yeah, you know, and and the, the player may be a little miffed that he lost whatever the conflict was, and then his, he has the justification justification of his character having the shit kicked out of him. And and again, that's it's, it's like not even ha- getting to the point where they're at blows, whether it's whether it's lethal or not. Mm-hmm. I think could be important. And again, is that people have, have at that point you've already taken taken it one step away from it being a PC PC conflict and a player player thing. It's like yeah. one player has an agenda, wants to go do one thing. The other player has another agenda, doesn't want that player to do that thing because they want to do their thing. That's two players having a problem with each other, not two PCs having a problem with each other. It's cloaked in. Well, my PC wouldn't do that. But really, it's about players wanting to do, want to have two separate agendas, right? And it, 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 it's that line blurs a lot. Now, let me ask you a question <laughs> that he didn't ask that I think is very relevant. You're a player in this sort of situation where you've come to loggerheads and you have a a disagreement on what to do that there is no resolution for. How would you, as a player, approach dealing with that conflict? In such a way that it doesn't turn into a physical conflict. In character. In character. <clears throat> it depends on the game. Let's assume it's a D twenty game. Uh, it sounds like it sort of might be, um, because I, I can think of all kinds of games where the games where the narrative controls make that a really juicy moment and a lot of fun. But let's assume it's not fun and it's in a D twenty game. Um, <laughs> So, so really, really not fun. So that, that in that case, um, I, I would, I, I would, um, I, I, I am inclined to, to at this point break character and say, player, uh, here's what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. And and um, and and not what are you doing or what the fuck is the matter with you? It's I'm thinking this. What are you thinking? All right, what should we do? Like a metagame discussion, yeah. over what's go- how the scene's going to transpire. I mean, because it, it could lead to this. Are you cool with that? And then you know, once you check in. Come in. It is totally cool to break character and check in. 
Oh, sure. And I think we need to make a habit of that, just on anything. Like, you know, I was thinking, uh, players, my character's thinking we should go here instead of there. Like, something as innocuous as that. That's totally fine. We should have those conversations. But if it's if it's a moment where, you know, like this, where there's obviously uh, going to lead to in-character conflict, check in. I, I agree. The, it's, the, I think we tend to try to stay in character as much as possible, and I think sometimes that can be a problem. I really think sometimes you, you just, everybody needs to just like blow the whistle and go, all right, wait, 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 wait. Can we talk about this for a second? Oh, well, the character wouldn't do that. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about right now. We need to, we need to make sure we're all on the same page here. If you punch that guard, we're going to be wanted in the city. Are we all okay right. with that? Is this a thing that we're going to want to do? But, I mean, in, in character, like, I, I'm thinking, like, I, I've had situations where we've had that, that the conflict where we've come to loggerheads in a Supers game. I was playing a character who... Uh, was way more on the sort of vigilante side of it than the you know guardian of the justice side of it, mm-hmm. and we came into a conflict. I ended up retiring the character. Mm-hmm. It's like he quit. He quit the group Before or the, the it super came group. To- yeah, it's like you, clearly the two of us are not going to work together. And then I hand the character sheet to the GM and I make up a new and start working on a new character at that point. Yeah, because you saw on a meta level you would break the story. Or at least well, it was just, make a bad could, time. You could just see it was going to come to the fact that they were all going to come to blows. It was and g- rather than than the PCs all ganging up on him and have it becoming a free for all. He said, "I'm going to retire." Yeah, he just walked away because it was you know that this new supergroup had been established or something. This is Oppenheimer, right? Oppenheimer. Yeah. And so he walked away. The GM ended up getting never the game never ran long enough to find out, but. Now you've got a potential villain. Yeah, sure. sure. At some you're point, a bit scorned. That, you takes know. A, that takes a pretty yeah. mature player to to actually hand their PC over and go here. I'm. Well, I'm I mean, if you if you if you're if you're looking at it from the situation of you know trying to keep the, sort of the integrity of the story going, where we had built two characters. This is long before anyone ever thought of having session zeros. This is in the eighties, and and we we had we had both made characters who were it's basically kind of the superman versus batman thing mm-hmm. it's it, it was very mm-hmm. similar to that kind of conflict and uh i just think it, we just probably handled it more realistically than the comic books usually do <laughs> it's like you know what fuck you and then both go their separate ways right and um for, you know it, and this was in champions when it would it's it, it takes some effort to make a character but it, it a whole day. <laughs> but to me, I thought it for for the character I was playing, I thought it made kind of a really cool little sort of miniature arc for him. Yeah, it's like he's going to try the hero thing. Maybe that's nah, not for him. I can tell you this: I never would have thought about doing that when I was your when I was that same age playing mm-hmm. champions. Uh, I would have fought to the death. Yeah, uh, I would have too. I, I tend to dig my heels in when it comes to stuff like that. I think a lot of players do. Not everybody's able to go. This is not going to work out. This is going to be bad. Uh, some people just they get it's precious. Their character's precious, and they want to cling on to the, and then and then they start feeling attacked, and they they get stubborn. And alcohol will not oh, help that. Yeah, at that all. adds another dimension. That, that yeah. starts making now everybody starts make, being unreasonable. Right. And because th- it because alcohol turns off the, the 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 tiny tiny portion of your brain that makes us reasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. It numbs right. it good, <laughs> and I I think in situations like that, like you said, I think that's when I, if I were, if this were my game, I probably would have said, I think right now is a really good time to stop. Yeah, 
First of all, four-hour session on Zoom. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, That's a lot. I think for I me. would have ended the game before any combat or anything like that would have happened. Even Let cooler heads the, prevail. Wait and, your two and weeks. Just wait yeah. two weeks and come back to it later, and then maybe we could have a discussion outside the game about all of that, and then perhaps everybody comes back sober and we can. But I would, I would definitely have stopped it then. It's. In hindsight, that's easy to say, but when you're caught up in the game and you're and you're especially as a GM and on Zoom and you're trying to look, you're looking at all the windows and you're out all of the balls in the air, you just you you want to help you you want your players. Well, this is the player's choice. So there's you're all of these minds. You're like, well, do I do I keep going with my players? This is clearly something that they want to do. Do I do I back off now and, and blow the whistle? How do I do I stop? How do you? So it's easy in hindsight to say I would have just you know pulled everybody out of the pool, but. What do you you know? How do you how do you watch for that in game and stop it before it gets goes too far? Also, I think this happened kind of early because he spent the rest of the night playing with his katana, all sulky, yeah, and sulking <laughs> about it. Um, so, yeah, it, maybe it wasn't an option even if you thought of it. We had a game where a, there's a guy that was unstable. There's all it's a whole other story, but he he got so awful in a game we just stopped it. Yeah. And so I can think back on times when it was like, all right, I think I think we're done for the night. For safety's sake, yeah. and there's sometimes too we would get together because we would get together every weekend, and there were sometimes we're like, nobody's really into gaming tonight, are we? Let's just go get some beer and we'll hang out and do something else because right. clearly people just weren't into it. Right. So there are times when we've just stopped it, but it's usually because things just you could just you, you feel the vibe, right? You know? And that's kind of maybe something in the room too. You don't necessarily get that. And I, I think that kind of dovetails into probably the sort of answers that we were all, probably would all come up with w- w- to a second question: How would you handle an upset player that considers GM intervention of killing another PC as railroading? And that is, let's table this then, mm-hmm. because I mean, if someone is, it, it, you're on different wavelengths. If after you've had the you know the sort of metagame discussion, and the person's still upset about not being able to kill the character they want to kill. There, there's a, there, there's something there, something there that you know brains need to be reset a little bit. And I think at that point, if you if you were in that situation, I I think I would. If someone was genuinely upset by it. I think I would stop the game and say, hey, let's cut let's cut it short and come back. It's a big deal, it. whether people are upset or not. It's like it's a big deal. I need to wrap my brain around this. Right. We all need. Maybe and if, and once someone gets into a bad mood, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's over at that yeah, point. That's yeah, that's the thing. You might as well not have the game running at least for you know until your next session. Uh, on the topic of alcohol, this is a tricky one because if you are uh, close friends with this person and you're observing an alcohol problem, that's one thing. Right. Um, if 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 they just were drinking too much that night, and uh, that's another. If 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 you don't know this person very well and this is a consistent problem, that's another. In that situation, you know, just get out of the group. You know, we, right. you're, 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 you're making this game experience toxic consistently. Let's just move on. You don't have to tell them that. I wouldn't tell them that, but I was, I would, you know, just come, make it happen. Come up with an adult way to right. to move on. But if this is a friend, you know, there there should be an honest discussion at some point. I wouldn't do things like limit table drinks because that comes off as punitive, especially to somebody that's maybe struggling. Um, but you know, it's not your job. Really, to to fix somebody's drinking problem, <laughs> it's no. your job to keep the table safe. So, uh, so those are really two different conversations. Yeah, um, well, it, it shouldn't be your job to keep the table safe. That's yeah. that's kind of the rub right there. And a lot of geeks drink because they're socially a- anxiety, and the and the alcohol will help. It sort of greases the wheels and allows you to relax a bit. But when it gets out of hand like this, he switched to bourbon and refilled. Yeah. At that point, I don't care how cool you are. You're going to just do. You're going to make bad decisions. If you're yeah. drinking bourbon like wine, yeah. you're going to make some bad <laughs> decisions. Yeah, at some point, you're just drunk, and you're not 
not going to be a cogent member of the group at all. Yeah, and this has happened to me at my table, actually, at a con, where uh, the person wasn't belligerent, but they were definitely, like, passed out, or on the way to being passed out. Oh, that drunk? Yeah. Yeah. In retrospect, I wish I would have said, why don't you go lay down? It's cool. We don't, you don't yeah, need to be here. but you're already in a con game. You don't you know. know the, I know. I had the same guy. <laughs> Are you serious? You had the same person? I don't know if it was the same guy, but somebody showed up at my table hammered. We know him. <laughs> he might oh. also have been high. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there I might guess have been some it, mushrooms involved. <laughs> oh, in, in retrospect, I mean, it's nice to say, okay, why don't you go ahead and lay down? We'll, we'll, you know, catch you up later and try to gracefully get them out of the game because it's just going to ruin the experience for, for everybody. everybody. And yeah. that's what happened with my con game too. It was a traveler game we were running, and it was, I felt bad because there were some other people in the game that were new to playing and had heard so much about it and were excited, and this other guy was ruining their experience, or at least I perceived it that way. Right. And I ended up apologizing to a couple of people later, and they were like. That sucked. So, again, I mean, at a con game where everybody's already signed up and everything, you you, you can't necessarily stop it. You guys, you're on, you're in for a penny, in for a pound. Go. It's only. No, no, I don't know. Done. I don't. I, I, I disagree. <laughs> I, I disagree really with that. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, yes, everyone's at a con game, but if, if you if you're getting to the point where where people are where there's like someone who's like drunk enough where they're becoming belligerent. Mm. No, you, could, you you are well within your rights. I mean, I don't have to sit and run a game at a con for the free. The free badge is not worth someone getting hurt. Well, let me put it that way. Many cons <laughs> have have safety uh, guidelines and, and play, so that you can actually go and you know right get the con organizer to handle it for you. You're not responsible for that for for babysitting people like that. Well, right. Dave and I were co GMing, and we just kept him busy and distracted with uh, with. It. Sharp, you know, sparkly things, and then just occasionally he would seize the mo- he would seize the moment and talk and ramble, and we would all look at him and okay, great, cool, and then go back on with the games. We were able to handle it, but it it's when people start to get belligerent and they start to make bad decisions. At what point as a GM do you say uh, that's too much? I mean, do you do you stop the game and ask everybody's you know should we and and is it okay? I mean, because I think a lot of GMs don't think that that's okay. I think yeah. they think that they are now robbing the player of their experience. Because you do. You feel a responsibility. People have driven from all over town to come and join you and play a game. And do you feel okay stopping it an hour and a half in? I mean, I view, I view my job as a GM not, not only as the facilitator of the game, but as the... The, the 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 mom of the table, I guess. Yeah. You are the, the leader <laughs> yeah. of the group. Yeah, and you so, are the leader of the group. So the, the, you know, it's like an ER when they say, you know, you set the tone. You yeah. are the yeah. you're, you're the boss, and it's 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 your job to keep the table uh, free of problems. That's why right. we have safety tools to help with that. You know, and um, and if and if somebody is drinking to the point of belligerence, or drinking to the point where they're sulking with a katana. I would probably turn off their video and uh, message them and say, maybe take a time out. Let's talk tomorrow. Yeah. Sounds like you're not doing so well. And then right. they know work it into the story. Uh, but yeah, I do I do view that as the GM's job. Okay. I don't know if everybody... I bring it, well, I bring it up because it is, I think a lot of GMs feel a responsibility for their players and such. And, I, and there's... Well, I mean, the, the, there's, to, there's limits to that. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm not responsible to, for... To, to, Stopping the player from drinking. No, right. I'm responsible for making sure that everyone else at the table is in a situation where they where they, they feel safe. And if it's a physical situation where you're sitting around around a physical table, that like they're physically safe. I you know think what that's I mean? important to say. I mean, as a GM, like you are the director of the movie. You know? right. uh, there's a point where you pull the plug. You know, when your when your star is, you know, five hours late and shows up to set. 
drug. Don't know their line. Don't know their line. Then you you stop and you find something else to shoot that day. Well, right. You know. And in, I in mean, many ways, it's this you can kind of think you can kind of think of it, it like because uh, there are other things to do at a game convention than yeah, play a game. That right? is true. So it's like okay, they're here for four hours. If I cannot, if the situation is in a certain you know, falls down in a certain situation where it's this is not going to be an entertaining game. I can, we can adjourn the game. They can go to the the go dealer get, room. They can get, go to open gaming. At least they can yeah. go do something else that's con related. That's fair. Rather than sitting in the torture of the drunk dude yeah. with the katana, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I mean, at that point, he's just posturing. You know, it's just, it's or just, sulking. He's sulking. sulking. He's like, he's sulking. Not, nobody's paying attention to me, so I'm going to sit here. And, I mean, that's that's just. All that is is somebody who really wanted the spotlight um, and was I bored, think you're right. I like think we you're brought right. up. And it's and it's a dangerous thing. And that that can board players can manifest bad decisions in a lot of different ways. Oh sure. Whether it's completely seeing your plot point and then going the other way just to f, f with you and you know, or uh, doing something in their backstory that takes away from everybody else's gameplay. Like I'm going to now go and. Uh, uh, find my long lost sister. What? Wait, we're in the middle of the mountains. We're on, you know just about ready to enter the dragon's cave. I don't know. You know I'm going to go find my sister now. I'm leaving. What? Or whatever. Hey, it is. Something like that happened at a table <laughs> once, and I, and I said, okay. Uh, I pulled out the adventure book. I said, this is the adventure you all agreed to play. <laughs> uh, if you if you do that, we're not playing this adventure. We're going to play another adventure, and that's cool. But I need to reset and yeah. come up with something else. And they went. Oh, so this is the one you want to play? <laughs> this okay, is, this is what we all. This is why we heard. Let's get back to it then. All right. right, and that's that's a really good way of handling it. Again, you like blew the whistle and said, "Out of the pool, you out of the pool." <laughs> Maybe I'm too strict. I don't know. <laughs> no, you like, just kept it focused. But, so I've got zero tolerance for that. Adamus, you know what? We're here to do a thing. We have a social contract. Let's do the thing. You know, right? And that's what it boils down to. Again, we've talked about that early, early on in our thing, which is a, this. It's a social contract. We all show up to have a. Make a play and then make have, a story and have right, fun. And have fun, and there, there is an understanding that we're all going to have fun together. Yes, not, not that watch ever watch somebody else have fun, and while we, <laughs> yeah, you know, or if watch they someone don't have else fun, they sulk, wallow around around in bourbon. Yeah, uh, uh, Sean from just outside Washington D.C. is in the chat room. Oh hi, oh. Um, and a uh, good couple of the, uh, he says it is much easier to tell someone about uh, drinking in person, much harder to tell them on Zoom. Yeah. yeah, I would, I would definitely leave that as a, as an off, off air conversation. It's if it's a conversation it, that you're comfortable. It's in. also yeah. hard as a GM, even in person, to keep track of how many drinks somebody's had. Oh, sure. As, sure. And especially on Zoom, when you know they could easily just disappear and, and you're as a GM, you've got so many balls in the air and you've got so many things in your mind, you're not. The last thing you're paying attention to is how grown up the person is, is being. Yeah, and it's not your job to monitor people's drinking. I mean, yeah. it's, it, if it's a friend and there's a problem, that's an offline thing yeah. that you can deal with in whatever way you need to deal with it. But at the table, I mean, come on. This it's is not necessarily your fault as a GM that he ended up doing this, no. I think. This is all on that player. It, it's about um, response and stuff to it. And again, how are you supposed to know how drunk he is? It sounds like the other players were like, you know, he's been drinking all night long, and he switched to bourbon. And you're like, he did. <laughs> In hindsight, you're like, oh my god, I should have stopped it earlier. But you, you didn't even know he switched to bourbon. You didn't, and, and it's, and that could even see that happening at a table because sure, people just sure. have little drinks. You yeah. don't know what's in them, and you don't ask, and right. it's not your job. So it, 
it's stuff like that happens, but that's on the player, not you as a GM. Don't beat yourself up over it. But now that you know it, sometimes it's something to keep an eye on, I guess, especially with that player. Yep, I agree. Yeah. All right. That's cool. <laughs> uh, since you're in the chat, where outside of DC are you? <laughs> yeah, where in the specifically? <laughs> he had a PS. Um, oh, he had a couple. Drink a tasty beverage of choice. I just finished my coffee. <laughs> Post postscript. Don't try to kill each other after taking that drink. <laughs> we won't. A hint of tangerine, not too much. Just a. It's mm. like yeah, they like they have just bubbly a, water and they walk through the room with a tangerine. Yeah, right. It's like a, just a memory of a tangerine. <laughs> he's he says he's in Wheaton, Maryland. Five minutes d- a drive from D.C. So there, there's your answer. Depends on the time of day, though, right? Probably. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if they get traffic. Do they get? Oh, they oh, probably. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Dave has story. Dave, Dave is an intern in D.C. early on, right out of school, and he has these epic stories about the traffic and the and drinking, the weather, <laughs> and the drinking. I mean, it's he can go for hours, and it's fascinating to listen to him. And he was only there for like a year or something or two. I don't know how. And long the stories there. he collected in the two oh, years. Oh my god, <laughs> they're epic. And yeah, D.C. is is a place. That's Maryland's a beautiful. Part of the country, it's better in DC, I guess. Uh, he, he said um, regarding the drinking. He says, "I don't think any of us picked up on it yeah. until later." Yeah, it wasn't until the katana waving <laughs> that we really knew. <laughs> yeah. At that point, bring out the claymore. He's like, "You want to play?" And it's it was it was. He said it was one of those katanas you get from the game convention, so it's oh. not sharp. Oh, okay. Hey. I have a, decorative. I have some swords and such, but I don't bring them to the gaming table. And if you have a player that likes to bring swords to a gaming table, I'm, I find them suspect to begin so, with. Well, but it's Zoom. He's a, he's just got it's toys like sitting around. Yeah, right. it's, yeah. Okay. He's probably hanging on the wall above his monitor, right, right next to his Funko. Yeah, I have a sword above my monitor. <laughs> and in his uh, and in his bourbon induced sulk, he <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I have a cavalry saber. I have a bunch of. I don't, I don't keep it so I can sit here. Well, and that's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> I've got Damascus steel. It's beautiful. Over my wall. Oh, do you really? Yeah. I love those. We work. Rent is it sharpened? There's so many. Sharp. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's like the only weapon grade one I have. So that's where I'm going if there's a burglar. There you go. But you know, like I know how to use it. <laughs> it's still in, it's still intimidating. If the, the guy's if the guy plays any RPG, right? But katanas are always always do more damage than any other sword. <laughs> so he's going to go. Oh shit! No, no, he's got a katana. Never mind. <laughs> the pointy end goes towards the enemy. That's the only thing you really yeah. need to know. Yeah. But the important thing to know about a katana is you want to nick him with the with the end. Yeah, because that, that's enough to kill him, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> katanas and headbutts are overpowered no matter where you go. Yeah. I mean, I figured just brandishing it wildly would do the trick. And yeah. screaming yeah. with wild eyes. Right. Yes. That is intimidating. That's, that's a whole point. Mm-hmm. All right. You end up with the Indiana Jones moment, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be a headline the yeah. next day. Right. That's possible. Okay. World building. I did not come up with anything this week. But, Chris, have you come up with anything? Or Stork, have either one of you. I can do something on the So let, let me just, to explain, we're, we're building a world one session at a time. And uh, I'm putting the thing... All of, if it wouldn't lock up, I'm, I'm, I've got notes in a Google Doc. I may switch this over to Obsidian Portal. Oh, mm. yeah. Because I'm using that for the GURPS. Chris, you're a big fan of Obsidian Portal. Yeah, that's great. He, that's great. He not only drinks it, I think he actually sells the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but I may... Yeah, I, I, I haven't used it in a while, but it's great. I love it. I, I may... Because I mean, what we're doing very well, nicely fits a... 
um, uh, a wiki and make it accessible to everybody. Yeah, then yeah. everybody can see it. I have a I have an idea. This is something that I was going to use. I've been holding on to this idea for a long, long time, but I'll just put it out there because right. I can still use it. Um, it's a small village. Um, in my world, it was called Wolverton, but you can name it anything you want. And it is a a village of lycanthropes. So anybody that was affected with lycanthropy would get contacted by this village, and they would all end up in this place. Sort of like a leper colony. Yeah, exactly so like a leper yeah. colony, but for lycanthropes. And they're all in various stages of lycanthropy, but it's a safe place for lycanthropes to go to get control of their affliction where everybody understands. And maybe not everybody in the village is lycanthropic. There might be people, but they just understand. I'm a spouses or whatever, and they understand that come a full moon, dad's going to go crazy, and and they might have all these rituals. So it, it can be my my idea for the village is like there's a air, there's this weird feeling about the village, kind of like uh, the Wicker Man movie, where you show up at a small town and there's something going on, but you don't know what it is, and it's weird, and people are like, don't go out at night. Um, you can think about the scene from American Werewolf in London, where he's like, stay off the moors. So you show up at this town, and it looks like an ordinary town, and people are shopping, and there's, you know, traders coming through and all of that, but there's like, you know, you're new here, aren't you? I'm just going to tell you to stay off the moors at night, or don't go to this section of town, and little hints like that to unnerve the players, but you never let them know what the problem is. Right. And it, it the people in the village are, are cool about it, but they're not, you know, they're liking from, so they don't want to let the rest of the outside world know. So, sure. so it's it's basically yeah, it's a leper colony for lycanthropes, and you can play this any way you want. I my idea was to play it suspenseful, like in The Wicker Man, where there's clearly some agenda, some underlying thing that the rest of the villagers know that you've walked into, and it's it's tense and it's weird, and you don't know what it is. So it's a mystery for the players to solve, however they want to react to that. Okay. But d- d- you could take that and expand it. First of all, there's going to have to be some underground network. That's what I was. Yeah, that, I, that, that was I was just going to say. Yeah, and yeah. some society that protects that network, and, and also and society goes out to and find people to go yeah. out and find the lycanthropes and say, "Hey, we got a place where you might want right. to so have they're a like little Mormons. better life." Right. They, they they have like traveling um, recruiters. But what if it's like a resort though? Like you know, <laughs> like it's like dirty dancing. You know, sort of this remote. Yeah. You yeah so do, you they get tourists to or fund the village it. in. Uh, uh, the uh, the prisoner, oh yeah, the oh. series, yeah, 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 very so, it, again, a similar something situation. like that. It's where it's, it, so it's 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 like yes, it's kind of a prison, but it's a nice prison. It's kind of a self <laughs> it's self imposed isolation. You know these these people. It's, are, cl- it's a club fed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to want a nice lake. You know, and they're going to want oh. entertainment. Right. I I went so far as to rabbits design, to hunt. I went so far as to design the village, and there was there was like a whole building that they would lock the the early lycanthropes up in every every full moon. And everybody in the village just knows. It's like, well, it's getting to be the full of the moon. I'm, I'm going to go spend my week in the, in the cell. And, and the ones that have control of their powers are like, all right, good luck. And they're the jailers and such. Right. It, it, I mean, it, 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 there's a whole system that they have set up that you as a GM and players can explore. And you can make it however you want. It could be fun or it could be spooky. It could also just be dangerous, you know, that they don't want you there and they want you out of town. And they're mean to you, and you don't understand why until night falls, and the entire town becomes crawling with bloodthirsty, ravenous beasts. Right. You know, and they also have their own set of rules too. You could have, if if one werewolf attacks another werewolf, <coughs> uh, they kill them, or stake them, or uh, they lock them in a, or whatever. They have their own sense of justice as well. So you could even have, like, if your players get attacked by a. A w- some were creature in the middle of the night, and you talk to the innkeeper. He looks completely concerned. 
And, um, yeah, and there's all these wonderful stories that could spin out of this one town full of werewolves or full of lycanthropes. Um, you could even have, it's not just werewolves. You could even have were-rabbits. You could have <laughs> some other sort of maybe harmless ones. Even were-children, children that are lycanthropes that turn into small-looking pups or dogs. You could even have people that are permanently changed. So, like, you walk into town and there's really large dogs walking around. Right. With, you know, there's like uh, a family, a woman and two children, and a really large dog with them. And mm-hmm. it, and they don't seem to have any problem with it. And none of the rest of the people do. They greet and they talk to the dog. Like, it's a really friendly thing. Right. Um, and I, you could have various degrees of lycanthropy, too, where there's people that are stuck in their form, there's people that are able to switch back and forth at will. There's people that who who for whatever reason can't get to their form, but they know that you know they get crazy at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, like I said, then there could just be spouses of people that aren't lycanthropes at all. I, I don't know. It's just a wonderful little place that you can set up a multitude of stories and um, a, a whole world. Right. Out of it. That sounds fun. It does. What was the name of the town? I called it Wolverton. Um, I tend to be. Dickensian in my naming, so you, oftentimes you can divine <laughs> what the what, what the person is or what the sure. what the town is like <clears throat> just by the name. So if if your town sounds like a Wolverine, there's going to be some uh, <laughs> <laughs> some mutants. Yeah, there's going to be or just uh, maybe some out of sorts grumpy people that attack people. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, Mr. Gray. Uh, to add to that, or something of my own, something of your own, whichever, whatever you want. Because um, it, usually it's a place, a person, a, an event, a, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just came up with a magical artifact. Okay. This is just on the spot because I did no preparation for this. Um, so Fantastic. <laughs> Do you have your three scenes? Uh, yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, the three things that make this awesome. Okay. <laughs> Nice. So it's well it's a legendary pen by the the uh, god of writing, sort of like a you know a thought sort of character. A scribe, yeah, a scribe is a, sort of the, the hit the god of history. Manifests in the sky as a. I don't want to use ibis, uh, so an eagle because I read the word eagle. <laughs> so the eagle god of uh, of history and and uh, scrivenation. So the, the but there's an artifact that apparently this god made. Is a feather quill, an eagle feather quill. Yes, so it's you know, right. And um, and if you use the right ink, that's been blessed by the god or by the church of the god, um, it will write your history. Interesting. And you know, sort of like automatic writing. Um, and uh, so you could potentially, like one guy did, some tyrant actually got the quill and was forcing uh, his enemies and prisoners to write their history so that he could use it against them in their in their cultures. And uh, ever since then, a secret society has protected the quill so that bad people like that don't get access to it. And they keep it in an undisclosed location. Would this quill also be able to write like secret codes or <coughs> treasure maps or would it know that and be able to write it for you? Yes. Yes. If the person who's using the quill knows it. Uh, oh, the, it has to be the person using the quill. So yeah. you can't ask the quill. Like, for if I have the quill, I can't say write 
Christopher Gray's secret treasure map. No, no, that's why this tyrant like captured me and like gave me the quill because he needed to find my secrets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I like. Were there three things in there? I think so. <laughs> it's okay. Sure. I was just teasing. It's a. Uh, <laughs> it's, I like that kind of artifact because it could be innocuous, but it could also, if you have a clever player, it could also be really dangerous. Or really advantageous, you know, it could be really overpowered. Well, it's, a, it's a great MacGuffin too. It is. So you can go. We need to find the. I guess we need a name for this this god, Scrivener. That's a good name. We need to find Scrivener's quill. Um, I could totally see some players being, "Well, this is stupid. Why did we, you know? Why did we kill a dragon for this thing?" And I could see other players going, hmm, "This could be really interesting. It, it could be see, used to like, you know." Kill somebody if Please draw the end. map of where Smaug's back door is. <laughs> you know? You, know you, you, I'm, you might even say that the ink has to, if you put a little bit of the blood of a person in Ooh. the ink, maybe you can yeah, divulge you that person's. I love maybe. it. There might be a lot of powers involved with this thing that they haven't fully experienced yet. So right. you could have your players going around and, yeah, dipping into a cobalt's blood and then having it write out the cobalt's history. Or where the cobalt's you know, maybe it's maybe it's, but it's interconic, so you have to interpret it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's going to be in their language, whatever that is. <laughs> well, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, sure. I mean, you keep it open ended enough that you could, as a you know, it, this is just a, something that a GM can take and, and modify and run with. It's sort of, but yeah, that could be. But again, I could see some players thinking it is, is just a joke, and other players could be totally utilized. Yeah, it's one of those where if you if you think through it, there's a lot of applications. Yeah, also like stabbing somebody in the neck. See, I love I love artifacts like that. I love uh, you know a sword is a sword, but a pen is a pen mightier than the sword. Yes, mm. well, it can be. Okay, I'm I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just steal what you said about the, the the some sort of society that has to go after. Oh yeah, that, that goes out and collects the, the and underground lycanthrope railroad. It's yeah. called the Lyceum. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they came up with a name for it, so Perfect. I awesome. Which it kind of has that lycanthrope thing to it, uh-huh. but it also has its own meaning, so it could, you know, throw the players for a loop. And they're basically like a, gr- a group of monks that b- basically keep their ear to the ground and hear stories that would cause them to go in, go to a certain area around the time of a full moon, and perhaps find someone and let them know that there is a better life someplace else for them. And they follow up on uh, rumors, yeah. If, the, if right. you hear about uh, a, a town that has a, a wild beast that's been attacking people once a month, these they may go up there and try to figure out, because they, clearly they know something about lycanthropy, and they've forgotten more than most people know, and they're like, well, let's just see if we can save this person from themselves. Right. That'd be a great right. adventuring party. I mean, it could be right. done as a serial. Oh, yeah. You know? It's just like the monster of the week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, your players are all lycanthropes, and they all have to go and save a town from somebody who hasn't control of themselves yet, right. or may not even know. Oh, that, well, the, the Lyceum may not even be lycanthropes themselves, right. unless they've learned to master it in some way where well, they can control it. Might be a mixture, yeah. Where they keep, we can keep control of their facilities, or their faculties, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm right. Again, so that's, this town, it's something I created a long time ago, and it's, it's something that I've been sitting on, but it's something that I've always thought would be a really fun place for players to just visit. Right. And it could become, like I said, it could become a whole adventure in and of itself. And for four or five days, it's most of the most terrifying place you can go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very, very well be. <laughs> right. End up in the Wicker Man yourself, yeah. Exactly. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and roll this out. Wrong one again. Well, 
Thank you for joining us for Season 28, Episode 15 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Stork. Chris. We'll see you next week, uh, Saturday, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here. Until then, stay safe. Thank you. Peace, guys. We pursued this hobby from Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor. Be a dreadful exalted girls or dungeons and dragons. Hero can find the fatal savage world. of the Angry Folk Media Empire.